0: Zach Wilson, I think, can actually be a league winner, right? Like, I think that Zach Wilson can actually be that go-to guy. And you know, you probably made that, you probably got that championship belt last year, right? The oh, one yeah. from Kings? from trophies, yeah. dude. The King's belt, like that. I saw that belt. I didn't realize how heavy that belt was. That That's belt, a big sucker, man. You see the picture I tweeted my grandma with it. <laughs> no I that. that's awesome it was, was she so able funny. to pick it up or did you have to like put it on like her shoulder she was outside and she's like freaking 90 like she was outside just watering the flowers and i was like oh oh my, like come look at this belt real quick i was just gonna show it to her and she takes it and throws it on her shoulder and is like walking <laughs> Dude, around that thing's with like it. 45 You're pounds like, or something i, I know it's i was heavy. like i was like oh my thing weighs half your freaking size like what are you doing 10 out of 10 for me, man. That shit was legit. I we did a bulk order, I think, because like the past champions were able to uh, apply for. it. So yep. it was a hundred bucks each, man. Hey, I you know I, I lose a hundred bucks on a on a regular UFC card trying to trying to bet on what whatever's going on. So at least that one gets to uh, stay in my mantle for a while. So trophysmack.com, dude. They got these trophies that are like three or four feet tall, like they're insane. You can get one like fishbowls on it, you can get one with like bobbleheads on it. It is sick, man. You guys gotta go check out trophysmack.com. I mean, you heard it. Ian didn't even know. And he literally vouched for the company without even knowing the news vouching for it. Go check out trophysmack.com. While you're there, go enter in promo code circle. Once again, that's promo code circle. You will get a free ring valued at 60 bucks. So go check out TrophySmack.com. Go enter in the promo code circle. To get your free ring. It's the apocalypse. No. <laughs> I know, right? Jeez. Intervention. Now here to intervene with your fantasy life, Chase Vernon. what's going on everybody welcome into yes another episode of fantasy intervention we have the waiver wires we have the waiver wires we have the waiver wires because guess what the apocalypse is upon us as we talked about right before we got the show started i could not do this alone the apocalypse is way too tough to handle by myself so i had to bring in the one the only at Bryn underscore flynn on twitter what's going on Bryn? how are you doing tonight
1: i'm excellent just trying to uh navigate the bipocalypse myself <laughs> oh,
0: man it is rough we have what six teams on waivers this week it's the most i'm sorry on by this week it is the most teams on by in any other week i think the max other than that would be four and like you said brit it's not just like normal teams that you'd see you know on bye weeks like it's not it's not like the browns or like washington like we're talking about some of the best teams at quarterback position some of the best teams at tight end and some of the best teams at wide receivers so When you sit there and you take that combination, right, of some of the best offensive teams at those positions, and then you take the running back situation that we've had so far in 2021 where we have injuries galore. I mean, this is tough. This is going to be a tough week to navigate these buys. And, yeah, I couldn't pick a better person to do it with. So are you ready to do this?
1: I am. Let's jump in.
0: All right, before we do jump in, I want to let everybody know if you are over there on Twitter watching, I don't really know what's happening with the comments. So head over to youtube.com slash fantasy intervention. Once again, that's youtube.com slash fantasy intervention. Make sure you hit subscribe while you're there. It goes a very long way. And of course you can line up your questions in the chat. If you're on Facebook, of course you guys already know, you guys know the deal, line up those questions in the chat. Ask if somebody's droppable ask if you should pick a, a certain player up, give us your, your questions outside of who should I play for this upcoming week? Because that is tomorrow night. So let's go ahead and get this ball rolling and let's talk about just some of the no shit type, uh, you know, players that, that we have that are available on rosters and you're seeing everybody put down, oh, you should pick up this guy. You should pick up that guy. You should pick up this guy. And I think the most obvious one starts at the quarterback position and that's Jameis Winston 21 points or 27.1% rostered up against the Seahawks. I mean, you can't feel any more comfortable than this scenario, right? You're going to see targets to Alvin Kamara. You're going to see some deep can- attempts to Marquez Callaway. Like there is going to be opportunity for Jameis Winston to score this game. And, you know, he hasn't been half bad so far this season. So at this point, how do you feel about Jameis Winston? Is he a no shit pickup and play for single quarterback leagues this week?
1: I think so. Um, I'm actually looking to pick him up in uh, one of my home leagues just because uh, the quarterback position is so well so dismal this week with the buys and um all the all the injuries um the seahawks are kind of mid-range against the quarterback and i know that the new orleans offense doesn't pass that much but um i mean up against tampa next week atlanta week nine tennessee week 10 i mean he's got some fantasy viability going forward for the next few weeks to try to help you um get through some of these buys and michael thomas should probably be back um, week eight or nine. So that'll give him another weapon.
0: That shouldn't, like we talked about, he hasn't been bad. So once they are able to spread out this offense, I think Alvin Kamara's value actually goes up. Sure. He might see a few less touches, but I mean, you can't really expect anything less in the passing game than what he's received for the most part. So I'm looking forward to a boost in the Alvin Kamara stuff, but James Winston should definitely be helped. Um, And yeah, like you said, the schedule, everything is just lining up for James Winston to go off. Let's talk about another young quarterback over there who has question marks around his future in Tua Tagovailoa. He's, uh, you know, he didn't look bad necessarily last week, question mark. I mean, he he was borderline, right? But it's got to be better than Jacoby Brissett. Either way, is he somebody that you think is startable from here on out, or is he somebody that you're at least willing to stream for this upcoming week?
1: I don't know if I'd start it from here on out. I would have to watch and kind of see how it evolves, but... Next, or this week, um, he's facing the Falcons, and they allow the fourth most uh, rushing points per game to quarterbacks, and Tua does have that rushing upside. Last week, he rushed for 22 yards, um, threw two touchdowns, put up 329 more in the air, and he did this without Will Fuller, Devonta Parker, Preston Williams. You know, he's he's doing it. He's doing the thing, and his connection with Waddle is building as we go further on in the season, so... I definitely think there's some viability there
0: Dude, his connection with Waddle's just kind of curious. Like I don't even know what's happening. Some weeks he ends up seeing, uh, you know, 13 targets other weeks. He sees like two targets, but at least we know that Waddle's going to be good on the first drive. After that, it's a giant question mark. Most likely, probably not over the other one. All right. We have JD McKissick. I mean, with, the whole deal with, with Gibson and his injury going on with his shins and with his calves. I mean, I don't really find this a question. Do we need to review this at all? Is there anything you want to bring up as to maybe why Gibson wouldn't want to be a, a no-shit you know, pickup for this week? Or are you pretty much going all in on Gibson? I mean, I'm uh, sorry, on Jaden McKissick.
1: Yeah, I'm, I don't see why he's not rostered as a handcuff anyway. Um, there was uncertainty even going into the season with questions surrounding Gibson's turf toe injury that had kind of hampered him at the end of last year. We didn't know how that was going to go so I'm pretty surprised that he's even out there. Um, also in PPR formats, McKissick's uh, half of his touches last week were catches. So in a PPR format, he's extremely valuable.
0: Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I, like I said, I think he's a no-shit pickup. Uh, as for Ramondre Stevenson, he's somebody that that was a little bit of a shocker last week. He's been slowly working his way into the offense. Obviously, Damian Harris has been dealing with some injuries and honestly, I'm not a Ramondre Stevenson guy. I was not prior to the season starting. He's looked good. He's looked really good. So I know that you actually put him in this section over here. Why did you actually throw him in the section?
1: I think with uh, just specifically with week seven and all the buys and all the injuries, Stevenson provides a ton of upside because the Patriots are playing the Jets this week. I mean, they're, they should get a lead. They should run it down their throats. He has been pretty efficient on his on his carries that he's got one concern is that he's only played 33 percent of the snaps last week so he's not getting a ton of work but the way that they're rotating him in and out with Damian Harris makes me think that his value is going to go up as the weeks progress
0: yeah I'm on board with that 100 um, percent. as for Marquez Calloway you know we talked about Jameis Obviously, with the schedule coming up, it's an advantageous schedule. Uh, he's a no shit pickup for me as well. So, let's go ahead and let's hop into these these quarterback situations. Let's hop into actually the void the void scenario, right? Because you see people just throwing out player after player after player, they need to fill space, right? These companies, they need to fill gaps. They need to sit there and figure out exactly, you know, who they're going to throw in there to make sure they meet their character minimum, or at least their word minimum, right? So they, they come up with these random players and they literally will throw shit up against the wall to see if it sticks. I mean, the first one that comes to mind for me is, you know, right off the bat is, is Taylor Henneke, right? Because he's not a good quarterback. And sitting there and looking at it, everybody's like, oh, he's playing Green Bay. Yeah, guess what? He just played the Chiefs last week who were 31st up against the quarterback. The only team worse than them was, of course, his own team. So, I mean, I'm sitting there, I'm like, why in the world would they sit there and tell you to go pick up Henneke after he's had up and down weeks to the point where he could end up losing you a week? He's never going to end up winning you a week. He can keep you from losing a week, but he's lost more weeks for you than he's gone out and won weeks for you. So, I mean, with that being said, like, are people nuts to to go after Henneke or am I alone here?
1: Oh yeah. I've been personally victimized by Henneke because (laughs) I started him last week against the chiefs because on paper, the matchup was just so primo. Like he couldn't take advantage of it. It just, I don't see any reason going forward. Like how you think he's going to do better than he did last week against a better defense. You know, it doesn't make any sense. And then they play the Bucks in Washington, and then they play the Panthers in Carolina. So they don't exactly have a great schedule going forward. Um, and Fitzpatrick may come back from IR soon, too. So his time might just be up anyway.
0: Yeah, they're expecting Fitzpatrick back by Week 10. So that's a big one. I mean, this is something where they have the bye week, Week 9. So if Henicky can at least suffice... You know, a decent level over the next two weeks. It should give Ryan Fitzpatrick enough time to recover. Week ten should be the week that's targeted for Ryan Fitzpatrick. Which I mean, also once again, just makes Henneke even more ridiculous to go after waivers on. Like it just, it's it throws me off. I can't get behind it. I don't support it. Henneke is not the answer. Uh, as for another quarterback that you actually threw on here, I want you to go ahead and, and take this one over because I, I kind of wanted to hear what you had to say about it.
1: So Carson Wentz is kind of been well what do you call it fool's gold right because in the past three weeks he's put up over 20 points but when you look at who he played he played Miami Baltimore and then Houston um, the Colts actually don't pass the ball that much uh, they're about midway in the league and pass attempts per game um, and this week the Colts face a 49ers defense that's already wrapped up 11 sacks season and they had a buy last week so they've done these 11 sacks in, in five games um, there's also a little bit of question on the Colts offensive line Quentin Nelson is on IR and their starting offensive tackle Braden Smith is questionable for Sunday's matchup so the San Francisco 49ers are going to be putting a lot of pressure on him and I don't think he's going to return any any points there are better quarterbacks out there to stream to get you through your buys this week
0: He sorry about that. He struggles up <laughs> against the blitz. He struggles up against pressure. And, you know, we already know that there are points that he deals with injuries and whatnot. So Carson Wentz for me is an absolute no go when it comes to that after you actually break it down. Uh, it's something to where I was curious and I actually had to go look it up myself to be like, wait, do I have an argument for this? No, I don't. Uh, I can get on board with you 100 percent. As for the running backs. Let's go ahead and up a couple. Uh, you know, I've been writing for Trophy Smack, like I brought up in Trophy Smack. I've been writing this waiver wire piece where it's waiver wire players to trash, like because I just don't agree with a lot of these sites throwing out forty players and just seeing what sticks. It just makes no sense to me. There's one website I checked it today. They had fifty waiver wire players to pick up. Fifty.
1: 50. Just pick up everybody on waivers. That's fine.
0: Like, is that cliffed you know? or what? Like, is that complete <laughs> bullshit that you are putting fifty? You're telling people that there are fifty players you can pick up with the waivers right now. That is insane. That is stupidity. That is not something that you actually want to gravitate towards. So I, I wrote about it right. And Le'Veon Bell is was like the the glaring standout right because they actually are, are sitting there in a shared backfield right. They're in a committee first off. That's like the number one red flag. And sure, Latavius Murray got hurt, but you also have Tyson Williams coming back. So, I mean, that's a gigantic red flag for me right off the gates. But then we sit there and we look at where Le'Veon Bell has had his production in terms of, you know, fantasy value over his career. And when it comes to fantasy points, he's had over 46% of his fantasy points come in the receiving game. The Ravens don't pass. The Ravens will pass the running back. So what's the value? What's the point of getting a pass catching running back in an offense that does not utilize that? It's absolutely absurd to me. So for somebody to be ignorant enough to put Le'Veon Bell on a waiver wire pickup in a backfield in an offense that does not use pass-catching backs is is insane to me. Like, it's crazy. It's psychotic. It is clickbait at that point. Are you on board with Le'Veon Bell, or am I just standing here in the rain holding up a, a boombox <laughs> just hoping for somebody to join me?
1: No, if it was 2015 or whatever, I would totally be in. But um, it is 2021, in fact. And um, Le'Veon Bell, he just doesn't have it anymore. Um, he also just got promoted to the 53-man roster today. Like, yeah, he's been called up to play in these games. But if he has spent, you know, a month on the practice squad and it took him that long to even get signed to the roster, that tells me that the coaching staff doesn't really have a lot of faith in him either. So, you know, they're just kind of filling in, putting a uh, duct tape <laughs> the titanic
0: yeah it, it's absurd to me it just doesn't make any sense but i mean you know if we talk about another crowded backfield another waiver wire target for this week this is another crazy one it's Kenyon drake i mean i understand that that he had a great week right he had an insane week he ended up giving you what two touchdowns 73 yards and he did that on a total of six touches that's insane until you look and you see that he had 11 snaps in this game that's not really too far off from his normal workload He ended up, if you go back and you watch the film, right, he burned this guy who runs a 47940, who was undrafted in 2015, who literally almost has no game log footage. Like I had to go all the way into pro football focus and try and find where I could find some valuable information. And what I found is that he's gotten burned on over like, what, four or five passes this year for 25 yards out or more, typically up against a running back. So we're sitting there and we're looking at a player. I don't even remember his name his name is like aj something aj johnson i think yeah that sounds about right uh aj johnson i believe his name is he's the middle linebacker over there for the broncos of course like Kenyon drake is going to have a one-up on this dude but when you look at Kenyon drake as a whole like i don't want to rely on a running back that is me 11 touches and until he sees more then i don't want to play him is he going to start seeing more over josh jacobs no because peyton barber saw more touches now, you could say he's out of the doghouse, but he's really not. He's still seeing about the same amount of snaps that he saw over the previous two weeks. Maybe slightly more, but 11 snaps, not 11 touches, 11 snaps is not enough for me to go out and waste fab on a waiver wire. It makes no sense to me. There is no upside play at this point. He got lucky on a couple of plays. His other touchdown was like a 20-yard run where it looked like the offensive line parted the red sea. He got touched by the defensive tackle on the shoulder. The the defensive tackle got his arm on his shoulder, and that was the only player that touched him. That's not going to happen typically. That's not going to be a thing. And if it does happen, it's going to happen for Josh Jacobs, not for Kenyon Drake. I'm out on Kenyon Drake. Do not waste your fab on him, unless Britt disagrees.
1: No, I'm. I actually was going to write pretty much the same thing. Like he saw 11 snaps. The only person or player that I'll rely on that snap count is Nick Chubb just because he's so hyper-efficient. So Nick Chubb can't go in and produce with that snap count, but not Kenyon Drake.
0: Oh, it's absurd. Absolutely absurd. All right. Let's hop on a wide receiver uh, real quick. We do have a question in the chat. Sorry, I didn't get to it earlier. I kind of forgot it was there. All right. We have is sermon or gain will stoppable or droppable. I think you meant to say Uh 14 team PPR. No, Gainwell is not droppable, in my opinion. Uh, Sermon is a little bit more of a toss up, especially since you have Michael Hasty and, um, and Jeff Wilson coming back. Kenny Gainwell, however, kind of got the short of the stick this past week. He only, I believe he only had 12 snaps, which is not normally what he sees. Uh, you know, they should have taken more advantage of it. And if you guys actually go back and you watch the film, there was one play. I believe it was in the second quarter. I highlighted it. It's on my Twitter page somewhere. If you guys go to my Twitter and you scroll down a little bit, I just posted it yesterday, I believe. Uh, There was one play where Kenny Gainwell actually had the middle linebacker beat on the outside. He had two steps on the guy, and literally it was a perfect opportunity for a post-route throw by Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts took way too long, didn't throw it, and then Kenny Gainwell actually pulled up because he's like, oh, I guess he's not going to throw it to me since I'm wide open now. He ended up pulling up by one step. Hertz ends up throwing on the ball. He ends up taking like you know a few more steps. The linebacker grabs onto his shoulder to keep him back. It should have been a pass interference. He ended up not getting there and ended up blowing a touchdown. Jalen Hurts is brutal, but Kenny Gainwell is a very very good player, and I'm not willing to drop extremely good players uh, because of their situations because their situation could always change, especially with how much Jalen Hurts runs the ball. Uh, you know, when it comes to Sermon, are you dropping Sermon Britt or are you holding on to him?
1: Yeah, I actually have dropped Sermon in a couple of leagues just because I don't think that he's going to get the workload if he hasn't gotten it already. Um, it's clear that Shanahan just absolutely does not like him for whatever reason. And um, like you said, with Jamichael Hasty and Jeff Wilson coming back, kind of hammering the whole crowded backfield thing home, It's who, who knows who's going to get those touches.
0: And how are you feeling about Kenny Gainwell?
1: I like Gainwell. I think that Nick Sirianni needs to figure out how to use him. I was extremely disappointed that they didn't try to pass him the ball against Tampa Bay when Tampa Bay is like one of the worst against pass catching running backs. But I think they'll figure it out. Just be patient on him. He does have a ton of upside.
0: All right. So let's go ahead and let's hop on to these wide receivers real quick. And there's a reason why I'm moving him to the wide receivers. And it's because he is a wide receiver. All right, this is getting absolutely ridiculous. This these takes on Demetrik Felton, right? Demetric Felton played one year in a COVID season. It was six games that he played running back, and he's still mixed up with the wide receiver position to that point. He just got a lot more handoffs in that that situation. I mean, we talk about Antonio Gibson, right? Demetric Felton is like five, what, five nine, five ten, like 180, 190 pounds, right? Antonio mm-hmm. Gibson is 230, six foot two thirty. He is a brick wall of a man, and yet he still was not able to get third down snaps over with washed football because he didn't know how to pick up blitzes. Because guess what? He's a wide receiver for the majority of college. Sure, he was labeled as a running back for part of it, but he was a wide receiver for the majority of college. So he used to come and he has to learn the schemes. He has to learn how to pass buck. He has to learn how to release. And then he finally saw a few opportunities so far this year while playing a little bit hurt. Demetric Felton played six games like I just brought up. He's way smaller. He's not equipped to actually handle that. And unless they're going to allow Baker Mayfield with a bad shoulder, to pretty much go unblocked because their offensive line has been meh so far this season when it comes to pass blocking. I mean, we're talking about a situation where if they allow Demetric Felton into the game, we could see, uh, we could see, I'm sorry, uh, Baker Mayfield leaving on a stretcher. We could see Case Keenum coming into the game and taking over very very early on in the stages. So. Dimitri Felton is a wide receiver, and I'm not buying the fact that they're going to move him into the backfield just because of injuries. If anything, they're going to end up using other running backs in pass blocking situations, and Dearness Johnson should have a major workload. I think they're going to get very, very creative. I think they could see a few zero backfield type sets and use the tight ends for blocking additions instead of using the running backs. Uh, I think Dimitri Felton could have value as a wide receiver, but don't tell me that he's going to be a running back. Like he's not going to come in and play the running back position. That's just not where I'm sitting. He's played two snaps so far as a running back this year Two. Am I just going off the handle on nothing or should we be considering Demetri Felton of running back?
1: He's not a running back. He's, uh, I just really don't get this dual eligibility thing because he's not being used. Um, his, his snap Share also worries me because he only saw 20% of the snaps last week. And that was Chubb out and with Hunt leaving early. And he still only got 20% of the snaps. I'm like, yeah, of course, this week he's going to get the volume. But if he's not a good enough running back, like it is going to be a Dearness Johnson day and he's going to be in there for like a third down relief situation if he runs at all. So I'm just not, I'm not buying into him.
0: Yeah, it just – it doesn't make any sense to me. I I don't get it. I'm not on board with it. It just – like, I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. All right. So let's talk about another gadget guy because that's what I consider Demetrius Felton to to be. And uh, that's going to be Jamal Agnew, who – pump returner. Like, he's a Swiss utility knife, right? Like, but he's not somebody with size. He's not somebody that you can rely on from week to week. He's not that go-to guy. So I'm looking at Jamal Agnew, and I'm like, yeah, sure, he's seen an uptick in fantasy points. A little bit of an uptick in snaps, obviously, since, uh, since DJ Chark went out. But I don't trust the play calling. I don't trust how they're rolling out their wide receivers. I mean, some weeks you're seeing Tavon Austin. Other weeks you're seeing Jamal Agnew. Like, we don't know what to expect from this offense. And I don't want to go out and waste waiver wire pickup on a guy who's upside so far this year has been 12 points. Like, that's not something that I'm trying to waste my money on. And when do you actually feel good, playing it? Let him go land on somebody else's roster. He can be a roster bomb somewhere else where he could end up having a week where he puts up two points, three points, four points. Why would you go put a waiver claim out on that? Why would you go spend fab on that? It just doesn't make any sense. Right, are you attracted to this gadget guy in particular, or are you off on this?
1: No, I'm he's he's great as far as a punt returner, kick returner situation, but. His usage in the offense really worries me from a fantasy perspective. Um, he only has a 33.8% route participation this season, which is number 99 at the position, and he only has a 28.3% snap share, which is 130 at the position. Like if you're if volume is king, then this ain't it. Um, it ain't it. It ain't it. Yeah. It ain't it. Um, the upcoming schedule they've got you know the bye and then at Seattle versus Buffalo, Indianapolis versus San Fran and it's not a terribly hard schedule aside from Buffalo. Um, but I just don't trust him to produce at a consistent enough uh, level to justify rostering. him.
0: no, I agree with you 100% on that. It's just, it's another head scratcher over there. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. Is there anything else that, that you'd like to add to that?
1: Um, well also we just can't really trust urban Meyer. We don't, can't trust this offense. We just don't know. Um, But another receiver who hasn't been consistent enough for me to roster this season is McCall Hardman. like, yeah, sure, he put up his 4.62, but he still didn't find the end zone on five targets. Um, But after Hill and Kelsey, everyone else in this Chiefs offense is basically just a wide receiver, 3A, 3B, and 3C. Um, Demarcus Robinson saw six targets last week and Byron Pringle saw three. So, I mean, they're basically getting the same amount of targets between the three of them. Um, The Chiefs don't have a bad schedule coming up. They're at Tennessee versus the Giants versus Green Bay at Vegas and then versus Dallas. So if you do need somebody to help get you through the bye week, there are probably worse options. But I'm not spending any fab for somebody who doesn't see that volume. What do you think?
0: Okay, this one's a little bit tough for me. Because I liked Michael Hardman, uh, I thought that he could end up being an asset, and they started including more in the offense. Then they give him the ball, and he fumbles inside the twenty, I believe. So it's just like a bad situation right off yeah. the bat. He was killing it, killing it, killing it. He has a great reception, then he fumbles it. It's like okay, like this sucks because he's so close to to hitting that breakout point, but he's not there yet. He's not going to break out this year. That's not going to happen. Not unless something happens to Tyreek. Not going to. But uh, I think that might be cork board. I'm not really sure. Anyways, um, <laughs> <laughs> so. Yes, Mikko Hardman is definitely a riskier pickup. But if I want to go throw out, you know, a buck or two on him, see if I can get him if I have a bad wide receiver position, I would do that over a player like Alan Lazard. Right. I would do that on, on a player over I would do it over Agnew. Right. So Mikko Hardman for me has a very, very small amount of value as a flyer in hopes that he could take off this week. And then okay, we can see something. But honestly, like I don't want to keep him rostered. So if you have, like, let's just say you have 80% of your fab still left because you're not somebody that like Scott and just blow it unless there's an obvious pickup. Or maybe you missed on players this whole season. He's somebody that you can throw a couple bucks at where it's like, you know, 2%, 4% of your fab. Like, it's nothing. Like, that. it doesn't matter because everybody else at this point is already 50% through their fab, or at least most, most people are. So he's somebody that I could throw a couple bucks at, and if he doesn't perform this week, just kick him to the curb. He's done at that point. He's dead to me. But he's so close to being a good player, not a breakout player, but he's so close to hitting that stage where his routes are getting better. He's doing more things with the ball in his hands after the catch. And he's not just a straight line, you know, downfield type receiver like we've seen over the past few years. He's getting better every single year. And I think people are kind of neglecting to see that. Like I said, I'm still not going out there and spending a whole bunch. But if you want to throw a buck or two at it, Uh, I won't blame you if you're weak at the wide receiver position. If you have, you know, just, I mean, if you're complete living hell over there, but am I going to drop somebody that I like for him? Hell no. No.
1: Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at too. And you know, they worked him kind of, we're on gadget guys. They kind of did work him as a gadget guy until this year. And maybe if that usage improves, then he could boom. But I just don't see it happening with all those weapons in Kansas city. Um, But as we look at, one boomer bust type player. Let's look at another one in Donovan Peoples Jones. If you look at the stat line for last week, this is tempting. This is juicy. But when you watch the film, 57 yards and a touchdown of that output came from the miraculous Hail Mary from Baker where he just lobbed it up into, you know, five defenders. Um Jarvis Landry should be back soon too and Cleveland just doesn't pass a lot. So I'm a little bit worried about the volume in that situation. Um, what do you think about it?
0: Okay. So this is something I tilted with big time. Because I wrote I wrote a whole piece about them. I re- literally wrote a whole piece and I re- read it. And I'm like, okay, it's not as bad as it looks. Because they don't have any running backs. Because, you know, when we talk about the Broncos, we talk about the Steelers, we talk about the Bengals. I mean, these three teams, they all have a chance of going up on the Browns if the Browns don't have a running game. So essentially going to have to pass. But then you brought up a good point about Baker Mayfield's shoulder. I'm concerned about that. And I'm I'm most concerned about the pace of play. So the Broncos, they don't run a whole lot of plays. The Steelers don't run a whole lot of plays. You know, they're running the ball constantly. The Bengals, maybe, but by then we can end up seeing the running game back. Uh, it's something where he's had his opportunities. And I love DPJ, by the way. Donovan Peoples-Jones is one of my favorite receivers. I think he's going to be stud in the NFL one day. I think he's going to be a superstar. Well, picking him up for redraft leagues right now I think is a bit premature. Once again, I'll still throw a couple bucks at him to see if I can get him on my roster just in case he doesn't going off. Because if he continues to go off, he could end up taking a job away from OBJ. Yes, I'm saying that right. Or from Jarvis Landry. Or they can end up moving to three wide receiver sets more often. Regardless, I don't want a boomer bust player that I'm going to spend a lot of fab on up against teams who don't really give you a ton of opportunity to do so because you have the Broncos Steelers running such a a slow pace of play. It's, it's just something where it's like, it'll leave a bad taste in your mouth. And like, are you actually going to feel comfortable starting him up against the Steelers if he doesn't do well up against the Broncos? You actually feel comfortable starting him up against the Broncos, although the Broncos have a great defense in this Thursday night matchup. Baker Mayfield has a bad shoulder. Like, when will you actually feel comfortable starting them? And I think that's a big question you have to ask yourself before you guys spend fab on them. So although I wrote him in as a, as a uh, trash target for waiver wires, I went back a little bit. Cause I'm like, Oh, maybe he could end up seeing the targets. Maybe he could end up seeing the efficiency and maybe he gets a fourth quarter touchdown. So I'm not going to scream at somebody saying I've spent fab on him, but am I going to do it? Fuck no. Nope. Not going to be me. I'm not the one. All right. Talk about not being the one. I've got a tight end for you. I've got a tight end for you that I hate. <laughs> I hate, I hate, I hate. He's not my guy. I I don't think I touted him last week, did I? Did I tout him? I don't think so. Uh, no. Because I, I remember picking him up one league and I'm like, what am I doing? I'm going to literally puke in my mouth. Like, this is gross. If you pick up Evan Ingram, then you're glutton for punishment. Evan Ingram is trash. He will always be trash. He will always be competing for one of the most drops in the league for the tight end position. He is garbage. I mean, he's gotten, what, he's, I think, the 12th most targeted tight end per game this season. In the four games he's played, he's given you no double-digit performances, and he's graded outside the top 50, according to PFF's receiving grades. Evan Ingram is trash. I don't care if there's no receivers on his team. I don't care if everybody's banged up. I don't care if literally he's rolling out with CFL players. They're still going to outproduce him because he can't catch the ball. He's not a good football player. And every year I just hear Evan Ingram going to break out. Evan Ingram's going to break out. All of his receivers are hurt. When has Evan Ingram ever had a receiver outside of Odell Beckham? And guess what? His best weeks in his entire career came with Odell Beckham it's an extremely frustrating thing to watch people go back to Odell Beckham because it's like going back to the ex-girlfriend that just keeps cheating on you, but she's into like weird stuff. So she actually does it in front of you. Like she, and she has you watch, like that's what it's like going back to, to Evan Ingram. Like it's ridiculous. I don't want anything to do with it. Uh, get Evan Ingram out of here. <sighs> I can't do
1: it. Yeah. It's, he's got bricks for hands. Um, and you know, if you just look at the basic usage, they're not using him in the red zone, like nearly as much as they were in his rookie season or even his second year. Um, and his efficiency has gone way down. I posted this from, uh, I think it was Fantasy Pros, but...
0: Rotoir. T-
1: Rotoir, okay. Um i've been on way too many sites today obviously but oh yeah he had you know so so much research too many leagues um also i picked him up in the weenus league if you want to talk about good at being bad he is my weenus tight end so that should (laughs) tell you something (laughs) no No. yeah well his fumbles his fumbles and his drops get me points in that did he rack them up for you he ended up with like 30 points a couple weeks ago for that oh my God. fumble and the drop. So bad. But, but yeah, his he's not getting used at all in the red zone. And Daniel Jones is still banged up. We don't know how that concussion is. Their offensive line is banged up. They really don't have a run game to speak of. You know, there's only so many negatives that you can benefit from. You know, and I don't. I think that it puts too much. Well, too much pressure on the offense as a whole for all these missing pieces that they have. So, yeah, ain't touching him unless it's a weenus. (laughs)
0: Oh, God. Oh, first you bring up sights and now you're bringing up weenuses. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Moving on. Oh, my God. Okay. I didn't see this last tight end that you put up. So let's go to your second to last tight end. Who do you have for your second to last tight end?
1: I've got Mo Alley Cox. And I know that, yes, he's found the end zone the past couple weeks, I think three times, um, in the past few weeks. But if you pick him up based on that, that stat line, then you're just point chasing, you're chasing touchdowns, you're chasing, you know, the hope that one of his five, four targets go into the end zone. And that's just not the kind of production that I want out of, out of one of my players. Um, and he only played 50% of the snaps last week. So he's not exactly out on the field a ton. Yeah. He's gotten lucky with some busted coverages and things, but it's not something that I want to rely on, you know, on a week to week basis.
0: Yeah, I, I can agree with that. Mobile Cox is somebody that a lot of people are picking up because they are ended up in the red zone, but you brought up Carson Wentz's schedule earlier, right? Like his schedule is super advantageous. That's why they've had multiple opportunity after multiple opportunity. I mean, we just saw, The Indianapolis Colts was one of the easiest three game schedules of any team in the entire season. So, with that being said, Molly Cox has seen Reds in opportunities. I'm not on board with this, especially up against the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, You know, they have good safety help, they have good linebackers who can cover the tight ends. Molly Cox, uh, I'm out on as well. I I would fade that extremely hard this week, but this next person that you have, I'm not on board with. So, let's go ahead and go over that person.
1: So, it's OJ Howard. And last week, he put up a stat line of six catches, 49 yards, and a touchdown on seven targets. Um, I just think that Gronk is going to come back sooner rather than later. And even when Gronk was out, Howard only played 65% of the snaps against Philadelphia. Philadelphia's got pretty poor tight end coverage, so they exploited that. I don't see it being a thing going forward. And this isn't to say anything bad against OJ Howard. I really, really sure. like him. I just think sure. that, I think that Gronk <laughs> benefits more out of the system when he comes back than Howard does.
0: All right, here's the deal. OJ Howard's coming off a, a torn Achilles, right? Like he's coming off pretty much career-ending injury to an extent for a lot of different tight ends. Uh, he's a player that struggled throughout the majority of his career, but he's still a, a amazing prospect coming out of college. That lose you? My back. Oh, you're back. Oops, sorry. Um. Anyway, <laughs> so he still has to fill out his, you know, his destiny. Essentially, he has to uh, still come to, you know, fulfillment of what he's supposed to be. But this is one of the best prospects coming out. I love OJ Howard, man. And with the way that it operates, with the way this offense operates, it's just, you know, who's going to get the opportunities based off matchups. You know, we've seen Chris Godwin be exploited multiple different opportunities when he has advantageous matchups in the slot. We've seen Mike Evans exploited when he has advantageous matchups on the outside up against smaller uh, corners. We've seen Antonio Brown with guys who struggle to cover deep balls. We've seen Rob Gronkowski whenever a small safety comes up. And O.J. Howard is a mismatch nightmare. Like, he's a guy who literally can overcome speed, He can overcome size. He can overcome like, you know, getting down the field and and dealing with guys who struggle in the double move. I mean, this is something where OJ Howard is just finally getting back into his groove. And yes, Gronk is going to be the starting tight end over there. But he should still get worked into 40 to 60% of the snaps. And his schedule coming up is pretty sexy overall. We're talking about the Bears. We're talking about the Saints. Those are both mediocre, but he can still end up overcoming those. Washington, who's terrible in coverage up against the uh, the tight end position. The Giants, meh at best. Colts, you can pick on the tight end all day. The Falcons after that. I mean, this is something where I'm going to be rolling out OJ Howard as the second tight end onto the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, regardless of if Gronk is healthy or not. And, you know, we've seen Cameron Bray actually be, you know, the the starting tight end in this offense, but O.J. Howard has seized that role for him. He's like, hey, give me the ball. This is my role. This is what I'm going to be doing. I'm going to be catching balls. I'm going to put up six catches for 49 yards and a touchdown. I'm going to be the dominant factor. Now, I understand the concern. I understand not wanting to roll him out. But when it comes to keeping him on your roster – or at least getting them on your roster for deeper leagues where you need two tight ends or people that hoard tight ends. I'm more than happy to to roster OJ Howard. he actually won me a few leagues this past week. So Ooh. I'm down. I'm down with OJ Howard. He's, he's got my grace as of, or I should say he's got my grace for now. <laughs> All right. So let's go ahead and move on to the gems, right? We've, we've done a little bit of research. We tried to find some of these back end options, you know, for deeper leagues where, Hey, you might want to pick this guy up before it's too late. Last week, we told you guys, it was it was coined by Brit, the bipocalypse right? This was her term that, that I got from her. She might have sold it from somebody else, I don't know, but I got it from her, and I've been using it nonstop. The bipocalypse <laughs> So <laughs> I love it. I need to make sure that I give you more credit than what I have. But uh, you know, we, we went back. And we told you, hey, you need to pick these guys up last week because if you end up not having them on your rosters, you're going to regret it because you're going to be short. And guess what? Most people have regretted it because they didn't listen. They were like, what's the bipocalypse Oh wait. Six dominant teams are on by this week. Yeah, that's the apocalypse. So let's go ahead and start this one out. And I'm, I'm going to go with Fitzpatrick. Now, this is, Fitzpatrick isn't a guy that I want to pick up now. But I want to at least have him on my radar. We did this earlier like week two, I think, is when we started this out. We're like, hey, don't pick him up now. But just keep an eye on him as we progress because this could end up being a starter. I don't remember who it was, but we talked about it. Fitzpatrick is that guy. I expect him to be back by week 10. So I want to pick him up. Prior to week nine, where the Washington buy happens, because most likely you're going to end up having, you know, he's going to be out of sight, out of mind, right? He's not going to be on any waiver wire columns. He's going to be sitting there in the dark, and he's going to end up coming back in and taking over the starting job come week ten. He's somebody that I want to have with this offense. This offense has potential to be explosive. It's not right now, but has potential to be with the right quarterback at the helm. Uh, Curtis Samuel's been hurt. Hopefully he comes back by the time Fitzpatrick comes back. Logan Thomas is hurt. He should be back, I believe relatively soon. I don't think his, I think it was five weeks was the estimated time period. Mm-hmm. So that lines up almost exactly with when Fitzpatrick comes back. Uh, you know, we have Antonio Gibson dealing with an, a major injury with his shins and his calves, not a major, I should say mediocre major in the short term. Uh, like, you know, it should be real fixed relatively soon as long as he sees, you know, some of the bench and he doesn't get worked too hard, but if Fitzpatrick like, this is a gold mine to have Fitzpatrick at this point uh, with the schedule moving forward. Don't forget he has, uh, what is it, five of the last six weeks of the season, he plays eight, or NFC East rivals. That's insane. Or actually, no, I think it's the last five. I think it's the five of the last five games of the season. I've never seen that before. That's what it was. It was five games straight that he faces an NFC opponent. You're telling me that I I'm sorry, did I say AFC? NFC East opponent. You're telling me that I get the NFC East five games in a row? Oh, give me Ryan Fitzpatrick all day. I will hold on to him up until that point because I want to make sure that I, I have these matchups for for five weeks in a row. That's insane. Absolutely insane. Give them to me all day.
1: Yeah, that's pretty. Yeah, that's that's nuts. It's uh dallas on the 12th the eagles on the 19th dallas again on the 26th the eagles (laughs) on the second and the giants on the ninth. so i mean you want to talk yeah yeah that's that's just bonkers
0: i've never seen that before i don't think i've seen that from any team ever having five divisional games in a row to finish out your season not just in a row but to finish out your season that's insane so That's- if you have Terry McLaurin in your sights, go trade for him now. If you have Antonio Gibson with him getting hurt, go trade for him now. These are all advantageous matchups all across the board. And Ryan Fitzpatrick should be the key to help unlocking this offense. What We have to see if that actually happens, but it can't be bad going up against five NFC East uh, rivals in, in a row.
1: And Fitzpatrick actually, you know, he does pretty well when he throws to the downfield receivers and McLaurin's like just built for it. So I'm pretty excited to have him back and see what it does to McLaurin's fantasy value as well.
0: All right. So who do you have as your person? Oh wait, or is this mine again?
1: That's yours again.
0: Okay. Sorry. Sorry. All right. So Tannehill. Um. Yeah. This is. <sighs> this is tough because he has a bye week coming up, right? No, I'm sorry. Uh, this is. Uh. This is. Uh, <laughs> I apologize. He has Kansas City coming up. And although he didn't do great up against the Bills, uh, Kansas City might offer a little bit more of an opportunity to pass against the Bills have been steady up against uh, quarterbacks. Partially, the Kansas City Chiefs have been one giant Swiss cheese sandwich. So Tannehill is somebody that I'm actually trying to target. And people that are looking to fill in the space for for the bye weeks are most likely going to drop Tannehill because he has not been good this year. A.J. Brown looked like himself in the second half. Got to see what happens with Julio Jones. Derrick Henry has shown that he can catch balls. We have Jerry McNichols that should be part of the fold. I mean, this is something where we have a loaded up arsenal ready to rock and roll for this uh, you know, for this upcoming week. And I think that Tannehill is actually a buy that nobody's talking about because he could end up on waiver wires come Wednesday, or he should end up on free agency come Wednesday. Tannehill, are you in or are you out?
1: Yeah, I'm actually uh, playing him this week in one of my big leagues I'm a little concerned just because of the usage of Derrick Henry. I mean, he got all the touchdowns last night, but Tannehill wasn't bad as far as throwing and racking up yards. So if he can manage to find the end zone with AJ Brown or Julio, um, I think his fantasy value go would return and possibly win you your matchup. Um, yeah, he's still through for 216 yards, even with what Derrick Henry did last night. So not terrible and i don't think they're going to have that luxury to throw or to run henry down kansas city's throat i think they're going to have to throw to to keep up with patrick mahomes in that offense
0: i agree i agree all right i'm really curious about this one your wide receiver pick for the next one's up i need to hear this
1: it's it's a deep it's a deep cut um but i really like matt collins um last week he went four of 61 and a touchdown on five targets This is mainly just a pick because of the lack of other receivers on this Miami offense. Um, You've got Will Fuller on IR. You have Devontae Parker and Preston Williams who may or may not play. So there will definitely be a role there. I mean, he showed it this past week. He played 97% of the snaps with these two out. Um, Probably just in really deep leagues. But if you're, you know, if you blew all your fab and don't have anything left to go out and get somebody I think that he would be a worthy pickup this week
0: okay all right I don't
1: know I just it's more of a volume thing for me and 94% of of the
0: stops are a lot
1: yeah and of course if like Devontae Parker and Preston Williams play that changes things but just keep your eye on him if you if you need a filler
0: okay okay I'm biting I'm biting I can see that happening. And then I like your next one the most. I think this one is something that I missed on and I really wanted to talk about, but go ahead, take it.
1: Yeah, so uh, Jarrett Patterson for the Washington football team. We've kind of talked almost ad nauseum about Gibson's shin and, you know, are they going to put him on the bench? Or are they going to rest him? Which I was concerned going into last week. A, a fracture in your shin bone as a running back is no small injury. And if you continue to aggravate it, it can turn into something worse, like a full, full on break. Even, um, I think they end up resting Gibson this week, and that carves out a role for Patterson. Um, he's only five six, but he's one hundred and ninety five pounds. Like this kid is—he's
0: shorter than I am. Bull, and he <laughs> weighs forty pounds more. <laughs>
1: bull, yeah. So he's like the the Singletary type, you know, um, and he's. I think McKissick is going to get a lot of that pass catching work that we talked about earlier. I think that they slide Patterson into that straight up, just run it down the middle role. Um, And I think he has standalone fantasy value going forward. If Gibson is out for a little while, which if they do rest him, it will probably be week 10 until he comes back. So that's a few weeks of pretty good production.
0: Well, I agree with you. I think that Jared Patterson is somebody to, you know, at least grab onto to see if they do sit him because it's not going to be McKissick in the middle. It's going to be Jared Patterson who's going to be taking those handoffs. I mean, we saw it in the preseason how electrifying, you know, he was for this offense and how he got the people on their feet. But I mean, obviously that's preseason. We don't want to rely on that for the pros, but at least you want somebody who's going to handle minimum first and second down work. There for Washington with an advantageous schedule coming up. So I like it. I'm, I'm on board with it. I can take it. I like Jarrett Patterson moving forward. Uh, you know, is he going to be a focal point of this offense? Absolutely not. But is he going to see enough touches to be fantasy relevant for a flex spot? Absolutely. I'm down with that 100%. All right. I think that's going to wrap it up for us. We have the Washington football show coming up next where we're actually going to be on Twitter night. We're going to be doing an interactive. Washington football team segment on Twitter. You guys can go check me out over there. FF underscore intervention. I'll be sharing the link and we can actually go into the Twitter, whatever it's called thingy where people can interact as a group and we can all talk and discuss ideas and stuff. Um, Anyways. Yeah. You guys can come join. Go check me out over there. FF underscore intervention on Twitter. Britt, where can we find you?
1: Well, you can find me on Twitter at Britt underscore Flynn. Um, You can find me every Sunday morning doing the Calm Before the Storm at 10 a.m. Central, 11 Eastern um, with Kevin Tompkins and Gary Haddow. And you can find me over on fightingchancefantasy.com.
0: Oh, yeah. Make sure you guys go check her out. Make sure you guys go check out our new team over there, at trophysmack.com. Once again, that's trophysmack.com. If y'all need a trophy, right? Like, these things are legit. So I got this title belt, right? I'm carrying it to the airport. And everybody's asking if I'm like a fighter and shit because this thing is like It's heavy. Like, it's not (laughs) light. This thing is made out of like, I don't know if it's gold or what, but it, it's it's crazy. And uh, anyways, it's, uh, it's legit. I'm just going to leave it right here on my arm for a second. Um, yeah, go check out trophysmack.com. Use promo code CIRCLE when you go to check out if you guys get a belt or a trophy. And you'll actually get a free championship fat ring with that if you guys go to check out and, uh, and use that promo code CIRCLE. You guys can also go check us out over there at fantasyintervention.com. We do have the waiver wire article that came out by Mike over there so go check that out today Uh, one of the best waiver wire editions of the entire week is over there and he doesn't give you a bunch of bullshit in between and then of course you guys can all go follow Fantasy Football Discussion on Facebook that's FFD Fantasy Football Discussion go join the group there's over 27,000 active members now most of y'all watching have come from there so yeah big shout out to you guys thank you guys for listening thank you Britt, for joining and thank you all for letting us intervene with your fantasy football life we're out So TrophySmack.com. Dude, they got these trophies that are like three or four feet tall. Like they're insane. You can get one like fish fishbowls on it. You can get one with like bobbleheads on it. It is sick, man. You guys got to go check out TrophySmack.com. I mean, you heard it. Ian didn't even know. And he literally vouched for the company without even knowing the news vouching for it. Go check out TrophySmack.com. While you're there, go enter in promo code CIRCLE. Once again, that's promo code CIRCLE. You will get a free ring valued at 60 bucks. So go check out TrophySmack.com. Go enter in the promo code CIRCLE to get your free ring